ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the student of the game. I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game. And hey, listen, if you're here, chances are you like talking sport. And we're always glad when you come to do it with us here on the student of the game. So, hey, listen, not a whole lot of football necessarily to talk this particular week. The XFL championship, of course, having just taken place. Talked about that a little bit the other day on the previous pod with Reed Johnson of the Mark cast. Um, and listen, good conversation about how we felt like the XFL did in its inaugural season in the, uh, in or, or I should say, inaugural season with um, Danny Garcia and The Rock running the show there, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, the Arlington Renegades <laughs> going a total of six and six. Uh, on the year, including postseason, are your XFL champions. So that's fun stuff there, too. So, yeah, check that out. Um, episode 54 here of the Student of the Game on Spotify and all the places where we do uh, podcasts or you listen to podcasts or any of that. Of course, you could be watching the stream on any number of places as well here tonight. You could be watching it on the Twitch stream. You could be watching it on the Huddle Up podcast YouTube channel, bing. You could be watching it on a Symbian Sports, bing, and a number of places out there on the Wintar webs. Not to mention my own personal Student of the Game web page. Well, technically, it's not my personal page, but it's my own page for the Student of the Game. Whatever. But beyond that, not a whole lot of football to talk. Let's get into this though. To start with, we, we you know, obviously, the NBA playoffs are in full swing. We've reached the the conference finals portion, um, so the semifinal, if you will. The Lakers, you know, taking care of business, finishing off the Warriors. Uh, the Suns crashing and burning, just a lot of as much as a lot of us thought they would. Granted, it wasn't due to a Kevin Durant injury. That's the part I kind of thought would happen, but and you know, thankfully it didn't. Uh, it's just a matter of a lack of chemistry of a team thrown together. <laughs> in February with uh, the arrival of Kevin Durant during the Super Bowl, basically, or the week of the Super Bowl, um, weren't able to actually manufacture that into a finals run. No surprise there. And, and you know, Joker himself there trying to carry the Nuggets to a Western Conference berth if they can get past Anthony, uh, um, yeah, Anthony Davis, uh, LeBron James, and the Lakers. But with all this conversation, this talk of where Steph Curry's legacy is was a heavy part leading into the previous round of NBA playoffs. A lot of people trying to talk about Steph being, you know, asserting himself as a top 10 player all time. And, and you know, uh, we, we've had conversations. I, I think we had a conversation at one point on this show a few weeks back with uh, the three-point conversions, Cortland Griffin, about Steph possibly having surpassed Larry Bird or um, Kobe Bryant. I heard some scuttlebutt, some people out there trying to claim that that Steph Curry is better than either of those two guys. Um, not that I'm trying to throw my friend EJ Christian under the bus, but for a guy that's a, a, a basketball guru declaring that, I thought it was kind of ridiculous. But, you know, that lightsaber duel uh, has kind of been taking place here sports-wise. Um, you can check out a portion of that on the Early C Speaking podcast that I was on uh, the other night with him there too. But I'll say this. I believe the problem, and this isn't just to the 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 the, the Steph Curry, 
Braun, or excuse me, Larry Bird comparisons, but this is what got my mind thinking about it. I believe the problem we have with comparing other the other players from different areas are obviously numerous, no question. But the biggest one, I think, and, and I and this occurred to me while I was texting with the EJ Christian and my good friend G Steelio, G W E S T W L I O. Not sure the last time he's actually talked sport or done any potting, but let's just say he and I have a history. I've gotten him paid for his writing, etc. He was insistent that Larry Bird could not play in this generation's NBA, to which I told him it's not appropriate uh, with your child being as young as he is for you to use recreational drugs in front of him as such. Nor do I really think, nor do I really think your wife would care for it all that much at this juncture, too. Um, but here's the thing, and, and and I think he and to G's credit, he helped me figure out what the problem is in the analysis. I should say problem, but the difference is in the analysis of these sorts of things. There's basically two different ways to do it. You take the player you saw in their prime, whatever decade decade it was, in the case of Larry Bird in the 80s, and you do the best. Scott Bakula, Quantum Leap. Yeah, I know they rebooted the show. Whatever. I'm the age bracket where it's Scott Bakula. Deal with it. Um, you know, you really want to get into Scott Bakula. We'll talk about Necessary Roughness soon enough. Anyways, great comedy, by the way. Watch it! Is But if they basically kind of Quantum Leap, take Larry Bird and, like, transport him through time and suddenly land him on a basketball court, playing against players in today's NBA. Maybe he's still a Celtic. I don't know. I'm not trying to write that part of the plot, but the concept is that you instantly pluck Larry Bird from the 80s and drop him in a court in today's NBA. Well, obviously he would struggle. I mean, he's going to get some shots. He's going to score. He would certainly be a role player at the very uh, most. But here's the thing I don't think gets enough consideration. And this is part of my uh, my take on the Braun and MJ debate, too, such as that is as well. I don't think it's as simple as Quantum Leap picking up and putting a guy on the court because there's just so many other factors. For example, the three-pointer was not baked into the culture such that it is now. In the 80s. They didn't even know what the word analytics meant at the time inside of NBA front offices. They hadn't developed this concept of adjusted three-point shooting percentage that counts for one's makes and one's misses from three versus two and how much ground they've lost or gained but based on the number of shots they've made inside or outside the arc, right? The, the more quality buckets like we had been talking about with Danny Thompson in the past, in his last appearance, who, by the way, will be talking uh, NBA with us later tonight. I think it's a, a you have to under you have to account for if Larry Bird played in this era, right? If Larry Bird played in this era, two things would be automatically true: a, just by accident, he's going to be a better athlete because of the fact that he would be forced to, based on the way that. You prepare for the game now based on the training that's in place now. What's standard now wasn't then, right? You don't have to work out as much as a pro athlete 
that's what training camps were for because you've been laying around on your butt for how long in those days and you had to get back into shape. Camp was that impetus to do that. Now, camp is more utilized to hone skills, to perfect craft. Over and above dudes like Bird, Jordan, and Kobe that had competition in their blood and were doing that on their off time anyway. Like, greats often are associated with doing, right? So anybody who has a problem with Bird's athleticism, in this particular example, would have that canceled, basically. I'm not here to say he would outrun Steph Curry. I'm not here to say he would run faster than Steph Curry. I'm just saying he would be far more athletic uh, in this NBA if he played in it. I mean, even back then, he's dunking the ball and taking people to the hole. He might look goofy doing it, but I think he would be a significantly better athlete in this era, right? Think looking at Tom Brady in his underwear Olympics photo at the draft, in at his combine, rather, versus what he looks like, let's say, in year 10. You know, I don't want to go to how he looks like now because his face, like his age is starting to show. I won't get into that and make it complicated. But he looks a lot more in shape and, and and all that than he does when he started the game, right? The training took its offense. I think Bird would have the same thing. Moreover, I believe as good as Bird was at his three-point shot, he would be even better. Am I here to say that he would be a better shooter than Steph Curry? No. Am I here to say that he would be a phenomenal shooter, the likes of which you would still rarely see over and above what he already was in the 80s. Yes, I am. He would be doing enough to where he could bomb it from the cheap seats and make an all-star game regularly, right? Especially in the NBA, such that it is today, where the three-pointer is what it is. Seven-footers are shooting three-pointers. He didn't do that back in the 80s. Hell, find a seven-footer in a lot of cases. That was its own challenge in and of itself. The, the Bird Celtics were lucky enough to have Robert Parrish, who, by the way, you want to talk about a lack of athleticism compared to Bird Parrish, was in his own right not the best athlete on the planet. But that was okay and accepted as a big man. Everybody's training regimen would have been better and Bird would have been a better athlete. You know, like, and another concept is this. Everybody wants to say, you know, how great Wilt Chamberlain allegedly was. He didn't have a three seconds rule. Imagine if you put Shaq in a space where, like Wilt, he didn't have a three seconds rule. Listen, I would need donuts for all the dunking going on in that scenario. And that's why, I mean, that, that's what I think people are getting wrong when they want to compare two different eras. Hell, just take, just take Braun and Jordan. Their eras of NBA in themselves still tremendously different, right? Guys didn't shoot the three like that then. It was still a far more physical game. We know all that. And that's the game that Michael Jeffrey Jordan crafted his style of play in to survive more than shoot. And he was still a pretty damn good shooter, not for nothing. Didn't won the greatest three shooter. But if anybody who saw the last dance saw that this dude was so into competition, he's challenging the security guard to a game of coins, you know, <laughs> to see who can who could get the coin closest to the line 
before he's about to go play NBA basketball just because he's that much of a competition junkie. You're going to try to tell me that Michael Jeffrey Jordan and Kobe Bean Bryant wouldn't have closed down the damn gym working on their three-point game if it was such that it was back then. And as it was, to LeBron James's credit, he did the same. He polished his three-game during his career, I feel like. So when you're going to move players around eras and compare things, you have to do it with the mindset of the, the surrounding factors setting the table, right? I feel like LeBron could have played in the 90s because he's got the right size, he's got the right strength, and he was a good, he would be, I don't, I, I still feel like he would be a good enough shooter, and, and what he is that makes him good enough then and now to make him truly versatile, uh, accounting for the fact he's 576 billion years old, is that he could take it to the hoop, and he could take it to the hoop in special fashion. I mean, guys, we, as much as we talk about what Russell Westbrook being somebody whose style of game before our eyes became something of the past, how are we not doing this when we're comparing greats to greats? This is why you can't make asinine statements. Yes, I said asinine statements like Steph Curry's better than Larry Bird. First of all, nice to see you're allowed to drink alcoholic beverages. You're going to have a lot of fun now that you're 21. Yes, I'm saying you're young probably if you think that. But if you're going to do that, you have to consider the surroundings. And in this generation of NBA Steph Curry's found himself knocked off the block. Here's the thing. Let me pose you this question. And I know I'm going to tick a lot of people off. And listen, I'm not a Steph Curry hater. Listen, best shooter of all time. No question. But here's the thing. I'll use the hockey analogy here. How good is Steph Curry without his enforcer, Draymond Green, on the court? What about that? He's allowed to shoot with the help of picks and things like that, such as they are. And I'll put it this way, and I mean picks at the top of the key, things like that. And, and, and let's let's be clear. Not saying LeBron is bad, not saying Curry is bad. I'm saying there's a little bit more to the argument than one might think. But hey, listen, with all the comings and goings and actions that have taken place with the NBA, especially out West, and after my uh, brief hiatus last week, listen, I was human. And I got sick, so I didn't do the show last week. But I'm here this week, and so the madman cometh. Mark Mancini's aboard. What's up, my guy? Well, prayers. I'm glad you're back. This show, you know, when you're sick, the whole country shuts down. <laughs> Not just this show. This The country shuts down. For, so what it's glad worth, for what it's worth to make up for it, I did have Reed Johnson of the Mark cast to talk some XFL yesterday. So I'm caught up there, buddy. It was nice. You know, I'm trying to recuperate. The Bucks are, you know, done. The Sixers are out of the way. The Roughnecks are out. I got the Maulers hanging. I got the Pirates hanging. Um, the Steelers, man, uh, what, what a schedule in the NFL coming out this year. I mean, they got everybody coming to L.A. Miami, yeah. Buffalo, Dallas, Baltimore, Cleveland, Philly, Pittsburgh, Washington. It's unbelievable. You know, let me ask you this about your Steelers. And, and I hinted on this the other night on the Earnestly Speaking podcast. But I'm the more I'm thinking about it, the more 
the more I feel like the the nation at large, the football public at large is having trouble kind of wrapping their hands around it. Kenny Pickett and the Steelers, I think, are a sleeper team right now. Everybody assumes that they are number three in the AFC North, and that is dangerous. What say you? Well, born and bred in the Berg, you know, and raised in L.A. I mean, hey, you know, I'm not going to go against my Steelers, but they're a sleeper. They've picked up a lot of guys. They've shored up, uh, you know, during the draft here. I like where they're coming, and if somebody doesn't want to adjust their rearview mirrors, oh, well, we'll just pass them on the highway move <laughs> over in the fast lane. That's all. Well, and let me tell you why I say that, too, because for one, the AFC North is once again among the, if not the most difficult division in the league. I thought that was the case last year. Um, it's shaping up to be the case this year. I, I mean, give the NFC East their depth, um, but I, I'm expecting the Giants to take a step back. I'm expecting, hell, I'm expecting everybody to take a step back. I don't know what on earth your red tails are smoking there. I mean, commanders are smoking there, Mark Mancini, but Sam Howell ain't it. The whole, the ACC conference is threatening to disband and you expect me to take Sam Howell seriously. Well, I'll tell you one thing, and I know Danielle probably listened to the show as she said to Tampa, she loves her Giants and Giants, man, they got a death march schedule coming up, man. Absolutely. Um, That's what happens when you yeah, out there, right? As far as my skins go, I mean, you got to get rid of Ron Rivera. New ownership's there. We'll get maybe a new stadium in Washington, D.C. Uh, you know, ticket sales will go up. You know, Thursday uh, on Thanksgiving this year, uh, we'll have the, the uh, skins and cowboys get it on. So that's yeah. a real tradition. Um, so I'm excited there. You're right. Howell's not going to be the answer, but I think it starts baby steps in Washington. And uh, that's that's what's going to happen there. You know, they got to they got to get it. But when you look at the whole NFC, Kyle, hmm. and you know as well as I do, the the NFC to me is the big sky conference in college football. <laughs> the, you can get eight wins and get to the Super Bowl, and maybe I'll hear it from everybody in all these cities. But I will tell you one thing: the AFC is like the SEC, and you're going to have to win at least eleven games to get in the playoffs. And there's something to be some teams sitting trying to petition to get in the NFC this year. <laughs> I, I, I think the ACC uh, conference in college might be petitioning for the NFC at this rate. They don't get a, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the statement, but it's always funny when FSU, uh, uh, their, their AD goes on record. Um, Mike Alfred, I believe his name is yeah. saying that they're now third or fourth in the state based on revenue. And that's unacceptable. Taking a shot, by the way, at UCF, who I cover for the Black and Gold Banneret, bing, on the Night Shift podcast, that um, they're essentially because UCF has joined the um, Big 12, such that it is, they're now got a better revenue deal than the ACC. But that deal of the ACC so ironclad and tight, nobody can really move. I mean... The ACC, the Barbarians are at the gate of the ACC. Wouldn't you agree, boss? Well, I will tell you that. Yeah, you're right. And look at what we've got out here, USC, UCLA, Mickey Mouse, non-conference games. I can't wait till they both get into the Big Ten. This is what I like about college football. It tunes me off when I see a USC schedule of Bowling Green and you're charging everybody $200 for that mishmash. I don't need to see that. I need top ten schedules. We're going to get this with top 10 conferences. So that's that's where I like to see. 
No, that's a great point too. And I mean, the I, point- I will tell you another thing I don't like to see, and I don't know this. I mean, this I, we were talking about this on the Moving the Chains with Danielle podcast. I'm I'm not a big fan, and it seems like every year, Kyle, I'm force fed. It's like spinach when you were a kid. You don't like it. You try to shove it under the table, kick it under somebody's seat. But I am so tired of seeing these NFC North teams on Monday night. I do not need to see a Monday night matchup, Green Bay, Chicago, Minnesota, Chicago, or one of these Detroit Green Bays. Please don't give me that, man. Somebody that's running the camera truck for Monday night football, they must have a lot of seniority there that that I'm getting force-fed. Green Bay, Chicago, every Monday night. Now I'm going to get hate mail from those cities. Well, listen, I'm going to say it to you this way, Mark. I I am the student of the game, so I have a somewhat academic approach. Eat your vegetables and go to the museum and learn something, damn it. That's the oldest rivalry in the NFL, the Green Bay Packers and the Decatur Staley's. And you're going to complain? Please. Well, I'm going to complain because I don't need to see a, a, a guy like Love leading the team when they drafted a defensive end instead of drafting an offensive lineman to protect them, uh, win three games going against a Justin Fields team that hasn't done anything with Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL since maybe the Riverboat Gambler or Schleister win maybe four games. I can watch other things on a Monday night than to be force-fed that rivalry that's been around 80 years. Here's where I'll meet you in the middle. Watching Man Campbell on the sideline is always good television, damn it. <laughs> yeah, the Packers, the Packers are going to be hard pressed to get anything else other than that Monday night clash with Chicago because Aaron Rodgers has taken all the Monday nights to Broadway. You know, I'm glad you took it to the NFC North here, Mark, because I did want to bring up the drama involving the franchise and the Dal- and uh, Dalvin Cook at the running back position there. I know it's just a social media beef and, you know, folks in our demographic such that it is, even though you're a classy-looking 62-year-old, no question. Um, the, the punchline being this, my guy, if Kirk Cousins doesn't have Dalvin Cook, yeah, I get it. Justin Jefferson is amazeballs, and they had an excellent draft bringing Addison in on the other side. I, I like that they're doing that, but Dalvin Cook to keep that balanced offense is pretty essential in my mind. If they part with him, I know it's air quotes just a running back, but I mean that's good for two fewer wins on a schedule, right? Well, you're you're absolutely right. And if Kirk Cousins goes, you're gonna have the NFC West and the NFC North, six of those eight teams are going to be complete bottom feeders other than maybe Seattle and Detroit. The rest of those six teams are going to try to find identity and hope the fans don't walk in with bags. (laughs) And I get that too. And and the reason why I mention it is I know that the Vikings had 13 wins last year. Wins, air quote, um, even though they damn near lost to Jeff Saturday in the Colts, but we won't talk about that. Um, but listen, we we knew that was purely just window shade. When they got to the playoffs, I picked the Giants to win. I believe you did as well. I'm sure Danielle did. Moving the chains, bing, right? Well, but- I love I I love Danielle uh, tremendously. I just don't like her Giants. <laughs> <laughs> I listen. I I mean, I'll put it this way. 
I've gotten over Lawrence Taylor concussing Joe Montana. That's really the only problem I ever. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I feel like I feel like I feel like what I'm trying to say is Vegas seems to have the Lions as the favorite, and I'm not mad at it in the North. So I, I'll grant it's not always going to be the most fun football. But I'll tell you this: I'll take an NFC North game over you trying to give me the NFC South on a Thursday night. How about yeah. that? Yeah, no doubt about it. What's with the Jags? Here, here's where I have a problem. I don't know if you looked at the schedule. I absolutely but I have. Think, I think ahead. the Jags, and I love the Jags tremendously, um, but I think it's a screw job for the fan base that every year they play in London. So the average season ticket holder might get six games where I'm living in Los Angeles. And I'm pretty much getting, you know, 17 home games between the Rams and the Chargers. Well, and and, and I mean, I get I get there's certain elements of it that are fair, right? Um, it's different when you're in L.A., like the Chargers are, and you're in a big market. When you're in Jacksonville, a little bit smaller market, and you're Shad Khan, and you're trying to move and shake, and your son's involved with professional wrestling, and he's moving and shaking. You're trying to create ways to keep yourself relevant and keep the revenue flowing in. You, I cannot express it. I don't have the exact numbers, but I can tell you this. If they're bragging about the revenue that London brings in, it's bringing in some revenue, right? And, and I think that element of the awareness and, and capturing that fan base in other places and bringing in those extra revenue streams over and above, listen, there's something special about throwing down some bacon and eggs while I'm watching some football here. When I'm local at 9:30, I might hop the pond this year and catch those two games since uh, the Jags are playing back to back in London, and it's a good excuse to tell the wife, "Hey, it's a vacation. It's not all business, right?" So <laughs> I got my passport, Mark. I'm trying to pull it off, but nope. I, I say all that to say uh, I do get the concept that it's a bit of a screw job, like you say. But by the same token, let's be fair in this particular year. The Bills have come home here to Jacksonville from the perspective of Jacksonville fans, I should say. The Bills have come to Jacksonville twice uh, this in the previous year, right? Right. You expect Floridi Floridians to go to Buffalo, the former Ralph Wilson Stadium, one of the coldest places not called Lambeau in the damn NFL. Yeah. Or they can jump over the pond and go to London. I know what they'd rather do if they have the money. I'm just well, not only that, Tampa Bay's been in the league since what 76, almost 50 years. This will be their third time ever going to Buffalo uh to play the Bills in Orchard Park. That's that's unbelievable. By the way, another Jags Road game I'll be attending personally on Christmas Eve. See, I told you I took the schedule. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I do cover the Jags for A7B in sports and the three-point conversion. Bing! So, you know, I'm a little – I try to keep up with it. You know. Jags are gonna, the Jags are going to be dangerous, man. I can't wait for football, and I'm trying to get my boys at XM to put me on a flight when the Steelers play in uh, Vegas' home opener the third week of the season. The Steelers in Vegas. Hey, I'll tell you this, buddy. You and I have talked about my dude Big Jim and Matt who are, well, Matt's a, 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 an, um, an Eagles fan, but the two of, I'm trying to work it so the two of them will be in the building over at the former Heinz Ward Stadium uh, when the Jags are in town. So maybe you guys can hook up to go see yeah, the yeah. They'll be in the press well, box. That, if I that's going to be interesting this year. A lot of good football coming out here, and it's going to be amazing, man. But 
I will tell you, basketball is interesting, huh? Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're trying to push that Lakers Celtic for number 18. You can tell that. They do, they do not want a Denver Miami. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, let's the, the, the runner up prize being a rematch of the bubble. Yeah. That's not so bad. No, no. But That's I think so what, they're, what they're trying to push, and I think this is where basketball could be hidden, where, you know, we have the heavyweight boxing. Let's push that Lakers Celtic, you know, get the ratings up, push that. And if we can push that Denver and Miami out of the way, then we'll have what we want. Hey, you know why I like it though? And and and, and keep keeping the in the in the theme of that academic that I just told you to be with the NFC North. More of these damn kids need to appreciate the old Lakers and 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 Celtic matchups back in that 80s yeah. 80s early 90s that put the damn nba on the map such that it is so you could enjoy it the way you are today and yeah, no doubt about it but the, you know what the lakers up to this point kind of look like gladys knight in the pips <laughs> with lebron james leading the charge a limited offense and but you know they mustered up a close game with denver uh last night and, uh, yeah especially we'll after ball. being down big right but i can't believe I can't believe what happened with Philadelphia, man. I mean, that yeah. was I mean, Doc Rivers. That's three times where he's had a, a elimination game. They get these guys out, and you could see the handwriting on the wall in Philadelphia. Yeah, no, I, I mean, he was. I mean, I'm going to say that he was scapegoated, but but part of me has to believe that they're going to. They don't have to, but I feel like they're going to move Harden and try to find something that's more complimentary. I don't know what that looks like. I, I, I'll i be honest. I have not seen enough Sixers basketball this year to really tell you what I feel like they need. But I, I don't know that Harden is it. It was a good experiment. It was certainly a representative trade. They won in what was just a disastrous scenario with the whole Ben Simmons situation. I mean, look at it for all the complaint. This is, this is what Philly fans do. They find the misery and everything. But let's not, let's not forget. <clears throat> that Ben Simmons situation could have completely rocked the franchise. Yeah. And instead they came out on top and damn near made the Eastern Conference final. Well, not only that, I've, I've always said, you know, uh, Jason Tatum will win an MVP. I mean, the third pick in that draft behind, uh, I believe, Simmons and then Lonzo Ball going yeah. to the Lakers and then Jason Tatum going to the Celtics. Uh, whoever thought those three in, in an order would be, you know, number one, two, and three, but. Boy, Jason Tatum is unbelievable. Any of them, and 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 Jamal Murray being a, a number two is is definitely working for them as well. I have no idea how the Heat plan on guarding both of those guys. Yeah, but the, you mentioned LeBron James. Listen, <clears throat> I know I'm normally a big man advocate in the sport of football, but I'm going to have to do it here for basketball as well. We are not talking enough, in my opinion, about Anthony Davis. And the, and the L.A. Lakers. I don't, for me, if Jimmy Butler wasn't a thing to create what is the biggest surprise of the playoffs, right? I, I know they fluked past, air quotes, fluked past uh, your Bucks because, you know, Giannis was hurt. No disrespect to the Bucks. The, listen, I fear the deer just as much as anybody when dudes are hurt. Chris Middleton, the guy who I said was a big deal, was doing his damn job. If Giannis wasn't hurt, I thoroughly believe the Heat would not have made it past round one. So we'll put that off to the side. I love the way that they are, they've come through and to make it through to battle the Celtics such that they have. Uh, it's a great story. Jimmy Butler, if it will, will be the MVP of the playoffs, but for the West, I mean, he dropped 40 last night. 
And we're not talking about it because Jokic was the winner of that first game in the Denver out altitude. Well, Shooting in a way, he will not again for the rest of these playoffs. Well, let me tell you about playoff Jimmy. I, I've always liked playoff Jimmy. I liked him in Chicago. I liked him in Minnesota. I loved him in Philly. I would take him over Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, all these guys. This guy has gone down there, bought into the culture in Miami, and, you know, he's ran with it. Now, he's ran with it a little different than LeBron James did. LeBron James bought into it, won a couple championships, and then wanted everybody fired, it seemed like, out there, including Eric Spolter. And Riley said, well, you can get on the next plane going to Cleveland or back to L.A. <laughs> or whatever. Um, so I, I kind of like what Butler's done there. And, and Butler, if you remember in Miami, he challenged one of the best guys in Miami, a long-tenured guy, Udonis Haslam. Yes. And we thought, well, where's this thing going to go? But it was quelled. You know, it happens. You know, you're playing every night. You see the same guys year in and year out. You're going to have those kind of things. But after, I Jay, love, after I, Draymond Green punches a dude, that didn't seem like too big a deal. You know what no, I'm saying? No. And, and, I, and I love playoff Jimmy. But as far as Davis goes, you know, will he be in the lore of Will Chamberlain's, Shaquille O'Neal's, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's? I don't know. One day he plays like Will Chamberlain. The next day he plays like Mike Schreck. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you never know what you're going to get with this guy. And I don't want to use the word laziness, but the guy's got to be more assertive. You got a big body, use it, you know, start, you know, asserting your strength. I know he's, he's wearing a lot of jewelry in those press conferences. Let's put some more rebounds in and, and get some more points daily in well, Los hey. Angeles. And then the Lakers will have an 18th title. Yeah. And Hey, I'll say it this way too. If you don't do that against, a joker, he'll make you pay for it, no question. And I'll put it this Does way: Does the Joker look like Rob Gronkowski? Is he long hit? I I wasn't quite there. I get like if okay, if this was like an '80s basketball like sports drama movie, yeah. you definitely could tell me that Joker looks like an antagonist in that movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, cause yeah. you know, back in the '80s, that was always the Eastern European guy that was the villain. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? <laughs> but. Uh, um, oh man, you forget, maybe forget my other point for a minute, but um, go ahead. I was, I was, I was talking to the Giants the other day. They were in the hotel, same hotel as the Nuggets in Arizona. And there was, you know, they said Jokic came by through the hotel. And I said, man, imagine him with a baseball. The dude would be more dangerous than Randy Johnson or J.R. Richard. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to having that downward. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I don't talk about strength. Football. I understand that. By strength. Yes. That's yep. what's up. Um, wow. No, no, you're not wrong at all. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, do the Warriors need to reboot? I don't think so. I like where they're going. I like Draymond Green. He plays with passion. Clay Thompson's there. You got Curry there. Kerr there. I but don't think they do. They might, a, they might tweak it a little. They might tweak it a little. Get some guy to fit in the system there. But I don't think they have to blow it up. I like what they did. So keep that nucleus for a few more yeah, years. Yeah, I like Looney. I like I like uh, you know Pool and all those guys. They just ran into a Laker team that was hot, and that's all there was to it. I feel like they got to move Clay, man. I do. I I think he's 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 like LeBron is a shadow of his former self at 176 you, billion. You, years you know old. you know what, Kyle? Everybody looks at a goal in life. I don't look at the goal as much as I look at the journey. And how you handle the journey through adversity and peaks and valleys will determine on how far or how you get to the goal. That's true. And listen, I mean no disrespect to Clay. He's been among the classiest dudes considering the crap he's had to deal yeah. with, um, you know, with the injuries 
and and kind of having to be, even be the third man in some cases, like when KD was in town. Yeah. And, 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 hey, you know. look at man. You know, everybody's having their thing. You look at I I I still got my Dallas Stars, my favorite Western uh, Conference team, uh, in the uh, Western Conference Final. Boy, you got I was going to comment about her eliminating the Kraken. Yeah, yeah, you got you got the rats and everything. Van Beesbrook, Luongo, and now you got Barosti there in Florida. Going to be amazing. It could be a Dallas Florida thing. A little Southern Belt Stanley Cup, but Vegas and Carolina are going to have something to say about it. Yeah, no, I, I I'll put it this way. I I I expect at this point for the Golden Knights to move uh to to be playing for Lord Stanley's Cup. Um I don't know I don't know that they win it, but I, I, I don't I feel like they're gonna make the finals. I can't speak for the other side, but I'm feeling the Golden Knights, you know. Call me uh, call me bias if you want, because UCF used to be called the Golden Knights before they rebranded. But it's in glamour and, and probably one of the best teams on how to build a franchise from the bottom up and market and everything the vegas golden knights are amazing absolutely and the only thing is they should have, they should have been called the vegas aces that would have been classic oh it would have been it would have been amazing and i would yeah. feel less transgression as a ucf grad <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my god what a show baby yeah, no, it was a great one tonight. Um, good to have you aboard, man. I'm going to go ahead and transocean over to Danny Thompson, who talk a bit more hoop. But it's always great to chill with the madman. You bring a lot more than just Liberty to Bell smack, and yeah. you don't just move the chains. You score touchdowns, my guy. Well, I'm blessed, you know, a little brash, opinionated, controversial. That was a slogan in Philadelphia on Liberty Bell smack. World's worst handicapper on XM203 Series 217. I tell Danielle all the time I love her, but you know what? When the Giants play, we're bitter enemies. And, man, do I love this show coming out of Florida each and every Wednesday, my friend. An honor, joy, and privilege, Mark Mancini. Great I love you, baby. Here. We're getting into training camp and everything in a couple months. It's going to be fun, man. Yeah, hey, listen, I'm hoping to be at at least one camp. But, hey, I tell yeah. them that yeah, they, I'll they, see you. Hey, they, they, they all know. Let me tell you, they all know uh, Kyle Nash. The capital K, capital N. That's what's up. Mark Mancini and himself. Take care, brother. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. See you next week. Right on. Hey, listen, the dude is aboard every week, and, and at this point, it's a family affair. Much like when I bring in this dude, it's always a good time. Let me go ahead and bring in the incomparable, if I can find the right button, beg your pardon here, the incomparable Danny Thompson Go ahead and talk a little hoop. And listen, it's always a special night when you can record and say fam is in the building as much as I recognize that his football team is fraudulent. Hey, I don't under you and Mancini both are all over the Falcons. I don't get it. You, I get it somewhat, but you're at least a fan Mancini and him and this whole, I, but whatever. Um, I like that they draft Bijan. I'll leave it at that. Let's stick to mostly basketball in this one, of course. Danny Thompson, what's up, buddy? My brother Kyle, student of the game, Nash, and yes, Bijan, Bijan. Guess what, Bijan? And I can't wait to get that number seven jersey. I cannot wait. I listen with the way he runs. Um, about to be some Bijan mustard on it. You know what I'm saying? You like that Bijan mustard? That's from the history. listen. Bijan mustard. Bijan on the on the sauerkraut. Bijan. There, Bijan here, Bijan everywhere. So I am, I am Bijan, Bijan whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's Bijan. It was a Bijan for dinner. B, was it pizza for summertime? Bijan for supper time. Bijan for lunch. Bijan anywhere on a bagel. 
you get Bijan anytime. Hey, so. listen, Bijan at the pub, which if things go well, I'll be able to see that in person. But we'll check all we'll talk more about that as it comes up. I don't want to make promises I can't deliver on. Um speaking of promises that can't be delivered on, how about the NBA right now, buddy? First of all, before we get into what's happened with the playoffs and all that, um, no, that wasn't necessarily a Sixers joke, though. I could see why Philly fans will do that. They've certainly come up with more oppressive things to beat themselves up in the past week here. But let's stick to the draft lottery. I, the, that happened uh, the night before this is recording here. Um, what, you know, kind of your take, the, 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 the Spurs got the ping pong ball, so to speak. Um, you may, I think you made some sort of comment somewhere that Pop not going to be retiring so fast after all. Uh, your thoughts on, on how that went? You know, my wife and I were watching the draft lottery, and I was literally, because I was recording a pod literally uh, five minutes, like, like 8.30 Eastern time on Tuesday night. And yeah, I saw your cast of characters, including even uh, the general himself, Mike Patton and P. Shark. <laughs> yes, P. Shark, that's my guy, that's my ace. But um, So I was telling my wife, um, if the Hornets had the first overall pick and we won the lottery, I was going to record the show late. I was going to be late showing up because I've been running down my neighborhood naked, screaming, Wimbiama, Wimbiama, Wimbiama. The Wimbiama's coming home. I would have been at that point at this point. Um, you know, if any situation is better, better than Victor Wimbiama, why not be the San Antonio Spurs? Uh, a franchise, one that, you know, the last two times they've drafted. <clears throat> first overall, they drafted a big. They drafted a, trad, a transitional big with the first overall pick. A franchise that also has had success with foreign-born players. And the adjustment period, you know, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, they have, you know, among others, you know, Jacopolo, guys that have come from overseas or have or had European backgrounds, they've done very well in the transition process. You know, so they're they're known for this. You give them Greg Popovich. We all know what Pop has done. You know, Pop has he's got he's still a master teacher of the class. He's still top three in the NBA when it comes to being a head coach. You have RC Buford. And lastly, Kyle, he's in San Antonio. It's one of the smaller markets in the NBA when it comes to media. So he's kind of in a closer bubble, per se. You know, if you let's say he was drafted by Houston, which is the fourth largest city in the country, that media is on him on a nightly basis. Right. You know, they're going to show up. You know, if he was drafted to New York or drafted to L.A., you know, those media markets are different. San Antonio is more of a, a homier town. So he has a chance to settle in with his family and wherever he where is and the people who he's with to bring over with a Spurs team, Kyle, that if you look at the young talent of the Spurs, Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sosha they had last year, Devin Vassell, um, they're bringing back Zach Collins and actually he's really played extremely well. Trey Jones, they have a nucleus of young guys and $40 million of cap space. <laughs> That's a lot. So, Wimby, and the thing is, if you're a Spurs fan, Kyle, you know, you know, we're, we're both, we're both, both big sports guys, no matter what it is. When your first, when your first answers is, I want to win championships now, you want that on your team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you want that on your team. And Kyle, we play video games as well, too. He is our creative player in basketball come to life. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's the Spurs, the Spurs one. I can't find. By the way, um, do you think uh, you think uh, um, do you think when it comes to Coach Pop, uh, you think they like it when they call him Big Papa? I'm just asking. I I mean, listen, you can call him Big Papa. You can call him Big Papa Pump. 
Uh, Holly, if you hear me, if you're a wrestling fan, um, yeah, listen, <laughs> big shout out to EJ, to my man, our, our guy EJ Christian. He'll understand the big Papa Pop reference. Um, no, I think um, this is going to keep Pop behind the bench a little bit longer. You know, yeah, I think well, he's kind of to the point where, you know, he's done everything he can, but now, where have we ever seen a guy seven foot five that handles like a guard, blocks shots like a center, and moves like a moves like an athletic guard all at the same time? You know, it, it's it's different. You know, there is no NBA comparison. George Harrison meets uh, Dirk Nowitzki or something. It's crazy. No, it's Kevin Durant meets Rudy Gobert meets Giannis. It's just a combination of those. Ain't none of them seven five. I'm trying to get that that size aspect in there, man. I mean, you can. I mean, if you look at Rudy Gobert seven one, you're talking about Giannis who's seven. But those, those are the guys with the size because Mirasan did not have that athletic ability. No, I mean, not, no. What was it? Yao Ming maybe. Uh, might but, be. but but Yao wasn't moving like that either. No, he was wasn't. That's why I'm throwing in that guard aspect. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who the right guard I throw in there necessarily is at this point because I'm. I, I mean, we're all still trying to. Really, I think digest what this what this means, right? Uh, you know, and for someone who's watched, I think I've watched nineteen of Wimbiama's games. Thank you, NBA. Um, they knew that this guy was going to be so big. They put every single one of his games on the NBA app. So if you don't have the NBA app, you can catch his playoff game starting Saturday. They're in the playoffs this week, yeah. so check it out. Check it. Check his game out because there was one game this year, Kyle, where he did something I've never seen in the game. Now we watch guys throw ball, shots shots off the backboard, you know, and dunk it. He missed a three-pointer and was able to dunk the rebound. <laughs> <laughs> he missed a three, ran through the lane, leaped and dunked them and dunked dunked the back end. Something I've never seen before. He made up 23 feet in three gallops and two strides in one leap. That's and what he did. And afterward, Danny shouted out, he's on fire. No, um afterwards, I, afterwards, I, I just left my computer screen. I was like, what, what? like, game's over. Like, you know, it's no. like Kyle was like, you know, we, we watched the M1 mixtapes growing up as a child. You know, somebody no, just someone just dropped in the neck, everybody runs on the court. I'm sure if they could run on the court, the game would have ended when he dunked that ball that way. But I, no, he's he's special, he's different. No, I get it, man. It'd be interesting uh, to see him thrown in the mix, you know, with uh, the Jokic and um, and Embiid and all that. And, and I, I, I'll say this. I feel like in today's NBA, uh, Embiid at this point in his career might have trouble securing a championship because um, not just necessarily because of his injuries history, which is certainly part of it. But I think at this point, he commands a bit too much salary to be able to have enough salary cap space for another superstar like that to jump in. Like we saw what happened with the Harden experiment and, and just it's not there. People might want to blame it on Doc Rivers. I don't know what the answer is for Philly and, and what's going on in that, that situation. I mean, they're good enough, I think, to run it back, but what would be different? I think, honestly, when you look at the Sixers, right, you, know, you talk about the salary, you mentioned one thing about money. It's not even Joel Embiid's salary that's killing this franchise. It's Tobias Harris's contract. True. You know, the former Orlando Magic Swingman player is literally making $45 million a season on an expiring contract. You know, the Sixers, one thing about the Sixers is, right, they're extremely top heavy. And in basketball, being top heavy is good, but it also is a disadvantage. You have your first four players being Embiid, Harden, Tyrese Maxey, and you have, you know, Tobias Harris. But the problem is when you have after that, you don't have very much else left to place around them. Right. You know, and 
when the new CBA comes into effect and starts in July, there's a lot of questions for a lot of teams when it comes to players. I think Kyle said this before, you know, in, in many of group chats that we're in or in other uh, other people I spoke with around the NBA, that Kyle, this, if you thought the the movement in the NFL was crazy the last couple of years, wait, or, or the NBA in the last few years, wait to this offseason. There's going to be, I think there's going to be more trades among not just players, we're talking high-level players. We're talking, I think you can see Carl Anthony Towns get traded this summer. I see Trey Young can be traded. Jalen Brown can be traded. Um, Chris Paul can be traded. <clears throat> you mentioned James Harden can be traded. DeAndre Ayton. There are going to be so many guys available this summer. And who knows what Memphis does with John Morant after everything's happened off the court. There's going to be guys being moved all across this league this year because guess what? The CBA is going, the new CBA, collective bargaining agreement, NBA, is going to punish teams for these super teams. We're stacking these rosters with, you know, the, the, the super max players because guess what? You're not going to be able to fill the team with nothing but undrafted rookies, G League players, and guys that should be working at all these. That's what this new roster is going to be filled with. And um, I'm not sure if you saw it. There was a great podcast this week, Kyle. You know, we're all podcasters. That had DeMar DeRozan and Paul George on there. It was yeah. an amazing podcast. I'm aware of it. Yeah, and so they were guests on. I forgot the name of the show, but they were guesting on it. And they, they asked a question about when, when LeBron had LeBron James made the statement about you know his son being able to be better, be able to play in the NBA right now. And so they asked him. <clears throat> and Demar, you know, being from LA, being from where he is, he was straight up honest with me. He said, "Yo, if you look at these teams right now, there's about 100, 100, 175 to 100 of these guys in the league that are complete garbage. Mm-hmm. Like these guys should be nowhere near the NBA." And Paul George co-signed it. Why? Because guess what? These teams have players on the roster that because they got to fill salaries, they have to fill spaces because you got four guys making $175 million and your cap is 190. So it's nothing but, you know, those those rosters. And, you know, we haven't even talked about Boston, but Boston has this dilemma coming up. Boston's going to have to, because Jalen Brown made all NBA, you're looking at Jason Tame and Jalen Brown, Kyle making – Six hundred million dollars combined. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Six hundred twenty million dollars between the two of them, uh, if they sign their supermax extension with Boston. And if you're the Celtics, are you giving those two guys six hundred twenty million dollars for the next five seasons? Is that the combination you're going to lead to a championship? And if you do sign for the supermax deals, how do you fill a roster around them? No, that's. I mean, that's a fair question too. I, I, I mean, I mostly asked about Embiid because him being the MVP and being eliminated, such as it is, you know, uh, the fact that they didn't win Game Six was disappointing enough. The fact that Game Seven then was also short. The Celtics had plenty to do with it. Obviously, I'm not here to say they're a bad team, but certainly, Sixer fans and a lot of the NBA public felt like you know the Sixers kind of let it go so to speak so i i i think that's an interesting concept and i hadn't accounted for the uh, bargaining agreement being such that it is maybe you and i'll talk about that more uh around uh july 1st uh in that area a lot of administration going on there too college football with the big 12 uh, expanding and then you know the whole situation that you're mentioning with the cba for the nba that's gonna be intriguing not the sport being played but let me ask you this. I mean, we have the Western Conference Finals set. The Nuggets won uh, the first game, which, to be honest, didn't really surprise me, you know, such that it was. The altitude thing's a real thing. 
losing the first game, well, that's still getting acclimated, your pardon expression. Not really a shock there. Not to mention, I mean, you know, Nikola Jokic was awesome. Um, I don't think we're talking enough about Anthony Davis, frankly, as the second best player in these playoffs. You know, the best one not named Jimmy Butler. Um, I don't think we're talking enough about that. Um, and that's going to happen when you're sharing a team. LeBron. But with this in place, I mean, is the what do you think is, is the biggest surprise of the playoffs, and why is it the Miami Heat if there's another reason besides Jimmy Butler? I guess that's my question, Danny. It's, rem- it's reminiscent of Jimmy and the Miracles a couple years ago when they, when they, made, the, they made the finals right. you know, in the bubble with the roster they have. Jimmy Butler's kept his roster together with, with pens, needles, and tape. You know the the injuries on the on the Heat. They lost Tyler Hero literally around one. Victor Oladipo the next game. They had Kyle Lowry's had injuries. Jimmy had a swollen ankle at one point in this playoffs. You know, you know, but that just tells the the testament of two things. One, Jimmy Butler is just that good, and two, Eric Spolstra is that good. (laughs) So it's like you have two pop two pop quiz questions back to back here, Danny. And this is a concept I have been talking about with EJ Christian. And his being a Homer Heat fan, he actually agreed with these. But I'm going to ask you this. Uh, first things first, Spo. Mm-hmm. Up to this point, I have always said that Larry Brown is my favorite coach. I've always said that he's the most underrated coach. But now as time has passed, Spolstra, in my mind, is the most underrated coach in NBA history. What say you? I think he is. But I'll tell you this. If Eric Spolstra can win a championship with this unit, it's going to pull Eric Spolster into the top six or seven all-time coaches. And I'm going to tell you why. Because when he won the championships previous to that, he's always had super, he's always had Hall of Fame, top 10 level talent when he won championships. Well, you the, the, first point, the first one, you, everyone knows about LeBron and the, and the Heatles and yeah. all that. The first one yeah. was Wade, Shaq, uh, Morning is a backup player. Like he had a really yeah. good roster. We just didn't hear a lot about it. He, but he still had Hall of Famers. You know, he still had Shaq and Wade. You know, you go with the Heels. He, he had, you know, three Hall of Famers on that team. And I'm not counting Adonis Haslam, who's a 305 Hall of Famer. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if Spolscher can get this unit to the NBA Finals for the second time, and let's just say he went, he messes around and wins this whole thing, you know, with Jimmy Butler. Number one, it puts Jimmy Butler in a different category, in a different stratosphere. And you talk about an all-time great at this point if he gets a championship ring. Because of the fact of what he's done and how he did it as an eight seed. No team has won championships as an eight seed. The last time an eight seed went to the finals was, guess what, the New York Knicks in the lockout year. So you look at Spolster's coaching, right? He's 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 making adjustments. He's just doing he's making the right moves. He's gotten the most out of guys like you know Caleb Martin, who I wrote about my Substack. You know, he he turned Caleb Martin into a completely I gotta have him on the court player. Max Truce. You know, he's dug up Duncan Robinson from the grave. He He's bringing Kyle Lowry off the bench, and this is the best Lowry he's played in two years right now. He's playing the best basketball in the last two years because he's coming off the bench and doing it in a different role. If the, if Miami can get Bam out of bio to wake up in the, in the series against Boston, Boston's in trouble. Boston's in serious trouble in the series. Now, on the other part, Miami's also in trouble because Jimmy Butler's going to have to guard Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. He right. can't guard both. Okay, you can't clone them. So whoever has the hot hand, Jimmy Butler's going to have to guard, and you just got to hope the other one doesn't take you to the cleaners. 
Well, and here's where I'm at, too. At this point, for all intents and purposes, well, two, two questions. First of all, we talk about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, let's say he let's say he gets into the finals. Yeah, forget it. Let's say he doesn't win this series. He, he and the Heat are eliminated whatever games it takes. Is Jimmy Butler a Hall of Famer today? Obviously. I think the, the thing is, you know, you put Tracy Brady in the Hall of Fame and kind of, kind of, kind of lower the, 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 the scale for everybody else. Ain't that like, when Tracy McGrady and Mitch Richmond are Hall of Famers, then guess what? You 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 got to really evaluate what Hall of Famers are. So, no offense to Mitch Richmond, Tracy McGrady, they're great basketball players, but at some time you have to have a line. If those guys are the line, then yes, Jimmy Butler is a Hall of Famer easily. I mean, and and while I'm not a T Mac guy, I feel like a number of his numbers, so to speak are blown up a bit because that dude refused to pass the damn ball. I've watched it happen several times in Orlando, you know. Um, but with with Mitch Richmond, I feel like he had the same problem too, having to deal with being the Sacramento Kings. So there's a physics there that makes it interesting. I'm not enough of a basketball guy to dig quite that deep. I know enough to say I get it. Um, I'm more to let Richmond in than than T Mac myself, but that's a me problem. Go ahead. But that, but the thing is, though, it's like at the end of the day, you know, Mitch Richmond got a championship ring as a 19th man for the Lakers. Okay, yeah. it is what it is. So it's like Mitch was a good bat. Mitch was a good basketball player, really, really good. We all remember from running TMC. But at some point, what's the line? You know, Hall of Fame is the best of the best, the great of the great. We talk about the Pro Football Hall of Fame, how difficult it is, and even the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame. Well, those are the Hall of Fame, yeah. but. Pro baseball is difficult to get into because of the politics, not because of yeah. the standard. Let's be clear. I mean, I mean, of course, but you know, there's, there, of course, there's, you know, there's fire, pop, and circumstance in every single sport. Like, you know, baseball has issues because of strict steroids and and pine tar and and Barry, and Barry Bonds' head becoming three times the size of what it was. It is what it is. But in basketball, a lot of times guys get in the Hall of Fame for their contributions to the whole game itself. But like I said, some guys, like I said, Tracy McGrady was a great basketball player. Was he a first ballot Hall of Famer? No. I mean, I, I guess because Bernard King's a Hall of Famer, and Bernard King was a Hall of Famer because his knees went out, because he was one of the greatest scorers of all time. I guess that's the case. It's but, the Gale Sayers defense. I get it. Yeah. I don't buy it, but I get it. Yeah. You know, there we go. It's a perfect metaphor. It's a perfect you know, analytical con com uh, competition comparison. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. So, and, and I didn't think that was necessarily a tougher question, but I take that to get into this. So, for the Heat, you listed for me, um, Jimmy Butler, of course, and bam. Mm -hmm. Let's say they get past the Celtics, which is, as you said, isn't a lock, but I think there's not a bad chance. Why do I believe? that Bam Adebayo is going to be of any use, whether he's facing Jokic or AD? Uh, I, think, I, I think a lot of times when you get a chance to be in that finals for the second time, the first time is kind of like deer in headlights. You don't know what to expect. You know, the one time the, the, the Heat went to the finals, it was during the bubble. So they didn't have to face – they had home games where the crowd could pick them up, and they didn't have road games where you feel the pressure of everybody on you. I think when you have a second chance at it, you look at things differently. I'll say the same thing with all of us. You know, when you do something for the first time, it feels weird. But the second time you do it, you're more comfortable. There's things that you've learned from the first time to the second time. And to be honest with you, you look at the Heat unit and that core group that, that went from the bubble. It's Butler. It's Bam. I think Duncan Robinson was on this roster. Eric Spolstra is coaching. Adonis Haslam is 
Udonis Haslam. He's Hasling. They have Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Lowry is part of that, that roster as well, too. So if you look at the roster of the Heat, those guys remember LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and those guys dunking all over them in the finals. And Jimmy Butler had literally have nothing left because that's what the that's what the meme is of Jimmy Butler looking over at the scores table. It's the famous tip for Jimmy Butler. Right. Because he had he had nothing left in his body in that series. I think the Heat, if they get to the finals, I think you look at things a little bit differently. Now, how they approach the finals depends on who the opponent is. You know, you, you know, with Denver, you have to make sure you gotta keep Jokic out the paint, and you need to make sure that Jokic isn't taking open jump shots. If it's the Lakers, it's how do you keep the Lakers off the foul line? It gets the free throw line a lot with LeBron and AD. You know, your supporting cast going to be able to score enough points when the Lakers play really, really good defense. The number one of the NBA since the trade though. So that it just depends on who the Lakers, who the Heat are playing if they get to the finals. So, well, I'll put it this way: you mentioned a couple points. Um, one that holds true that we talked about earlier. Um, whether it's uh, Devin Ham or Michael uh, Malone. Spolster's definitely got the coaching advantage, right? That that that's not even close. If the Heat make it to the finals, but if with the whole deer in headlights, new to the finals concept, would you, if you're the Heat, would you prefer to face Jokic and company in that scenario rather than do a rematch against the Lakers? No, you you, you take whatever you can get. I think because the styles are different. Denver's going to run up and down the court. Which means there'll be more application to basketball. You guys have actually Scott Robinson, you have games, you have Kim Martin, you have to shoot the basketball pretty well on that style of course. We kind of opening up your fan Denver. If you're in a more physical series with LA, you're gonna have to be able to run game out and play games defensively. And also LeBron James in the game. You know, when you have the Lakers, you know, you, you can literally put LeBron James in both little cancer. Um, a situation where you have Anthony Davis and Bam Adebayo, and then it's a battle of role players at that point. Well, when you're playing against the Denver Nuggets, Jimmy Butler's job is to guard Jamal Murray. That's what he's going to do. He's not going to take Jokic unless he has to. But then you're going to have matchup problems because Michael Porter, Michael Porter Jr. is six for eleven with a three point shot. Okay. KCP's playing really, really good defense, and the X factor is Aaron Gordon. Just like in this series, Aaron Gordon has to hit a jump shot. Well, <laughs> if, if as Oregonians in our own right, we know better. If, if he can't hit a jump shot in game two, it'd be, it'd be, that's all, folks. <laughs> then I'll go game two. Yeah, and, and, and I want to bring that up, too. Like I said, the altitude being an advantage. Jokic is not going to have another night where he's hitting a fadeaway over AD in the he fourth would, quarter as the shot would. clock's going down from, what is it, like in, 30 feet out. That's not going to happen. In the third quarter, I'm like, at this point, I'm like, yo, Denver's not going to lose this game. But then next thing you know, the switch happened in the fourth quarter when you know, Darvin Ham made an outstanding adjustment by putting Rui Hachimura one-on-one with Jokic and allowing Anthony Davis to play free safety. When he did that, Davis is roaming all over the court, being a defensive terror, a defensive everything. And then it leaves Aaron Gordon not being able to flash the basket to get easy buckets because he's stuck in the corner because you're not going to test Anthony Davis if you don't have to. Right. And and Joker started making turnover after turnover in the fourth quarter because they're collapsing the paint. So the one saving grace they had was the fact that one, yes, they had a lead, but two, the Nuggets hit timely three point after three point after three point with KCP and Porter Jr. and um, Jamal Murray. Those guys hit threes constantly, but the Lakers were able to get possessions. So you know, and that's the key in game two. So it's really about adjustments. 
I think the winner of adjustments always wins games. Whoever can adjust better in game two, can Mike Malone figure out how to get Michael Porter Jr. going, Aaron Gordon going? And honestly, it's about the benches as well, too. Last question from me. And we kind of, I'm kind of intimating at it, but I'll ask the question outright. Um, is the Western Conference final the de facto NBA championship? No. No, you think the Celtics are, are going to be that tough of a matchup for whoever comes out the West? Celtics get their hands on the Lakers is going to be a six or seven game series because the Lakers have got to figure out how to guard Jason Tame and Jalen Brown mm-hmm. because LeBron James can only guard one, just like the same way that Miami has to. You've got to figure out how to guard the other one. And uh, Boston's case, Al Horford, Robert Williams, um, Grant Williams have got to figure out how to keep Anthony Davis off the bat, off the glass, and and, and, and get him and not not get him going. So there's going to be so many different headaches for whoever plays the Celtics. And for Miami's case, listen, playoff Jimmy is playoff Jimmy. So you still have to worry about Jimmy Butler at all costs. The real thing is if Miami gets to the finals and gets rest, Tyler Hero will more likely will return for the NBA Finals. Hmm. And you get a healthy Tyler Hero, that's 20 points a game that Miami can get back in the lineup. Another outside shooter, another ball handler, and someone that the Lakers have to guard. Fair enough. Danny Thompson, what's latest on the Substack, man? Tell us about your latest project. Uh, check me out on my on my Substack, the wonderful world of data, which is on Substack. Most importantly, it's free. Best best. Uh, it's basically daily columns about writing about statistics and some of the things that you don't see and uncover under statistics and data as far as the NBA, because a lot of times people look at data and look at it the wrong way. So it's more of watching basketball, but also learning the numbers behind it to forge the combination of force of love of numbers and data to be one big happy family full time <laughs> he throws the wu-tang clan up in there um you know your latest one i think too is related to the draft lottery and some stuff with that right correct so latest draft last latest one will be about the draft lottery um it, it basically kind of gives you some history about the draft lottery some things you didn't know like a lot of people do not know that you know outside of the top three picks um, the number ninth overall pick has just as many all in, uh, for, I'm sorry, num- the ninth overall pick has just as many all-star appearances as the fourth overall pick since uh, the assumption of the lottery. Well, there you go. Also, Kyle, I got a question for you since you're a historian of basketball. Well, there's been one. <laughs> so the ninth over the eighth overall pick is the lowest number of all-stars in the, in the lottery. They've only had one all-star in the history of the lottery going back to 1985. Can you name that one all-star? Who was picked eighth? Eighth overall. Probably not, man. I'm going to need you to fill that one in for me. Obviously, it's Vin Baker of the Milwaukee Bucks. There's a throw. Um, it used to be two. Eight and 12 used to be the two dead zones. Tyrese Halliburton made it last year, Kyle. But the one previous person that made it was 12 was one of your favorites, Mookie Blaylock. My man. <laughs> Vin Baker, are we going to, to to like Blue Edwards era there coming in like just after that part, right? Like I it, mean, was, it, was, it was after Blue Edwards. Yeah, right? just after, when, right. when you look at the draft itself, right? So people talk about you have to draft high. You know, these Nikola Jokic's and Draymond Greens. Let me tell you this. In the history of the NBA draft since 1985, it's been a 3.9% success rate of all-stars of guys drafted outside of the first round. You're not going to find too many guys that drafted. They're going to be all-stars outside. So the Nicole Jokic's and Draymond Greens don't happen very often. So there you go. Danny Thompson there to serve you the Baker's dozen. 
when it comes to the NFL, or excuse me, the NBA draft lottery and which of those donuts in question are absolutely the sweetest. Danny Thompson, tell me where you can be found, my man. Check me out my Substack, which is a wonderful data. It's free on, on Substack.com. Also, check out my work at ThreePointConversion.com uh, as a senior NBA writer. Also, check out my, my my various podcasts and things I jump on. And of course, when Kyle Dash, my big brother, my big brother, big big brother, protector, offensive lineman, and my big bro in general, sends out the bat signal, I always come to teach class on the basketball side. Hey, my man, I was a shot blocker too in the day. You better recognize that man now. Listen. <laughs> This is always undersized, baby. Under Charles Barkley out there. Always appreciate it, man. Of course, I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game. You can find me on Twitter at the SOTG. Find me on Instagram as the same, the SOTG. Check out uh, my Facebook page as a student of the game. Check out my right with the three-point conversion and the black and gold banneret. I'm kind of in my off-season at the moment, right? I mean, don't worry. That could change sooner than later here. Look out. Of course, check out my work at A7B in sports as well. With hearing from the combine, the draft, that's for stuff from the uh, XFL that's been out there lately. Uh, just talked to um, Reed Johnson of the Mark Cast, really big spring football guy. So thank you to him. Uh, that was episode 54. So make sure you check that one out as well if you haven't there. Um, but yeah, look out for all of that. Thank you, of course, to Mark Mancini for coming in once again the way that he does when we're doing the show. And, of course, thank you to the fam himself, Danny Thompson, for uh, coming in as well. But that'll do it for this edition. So, yes, uh, an honor, joy, and privilege in everyone. But until next time, class dismissed.